everyone, and welcome to Light Conversations on Trauma podcast. Bringing conversations around hardship into the light. It's me, Peter Middleton, here, and I'll be hosting this podcast. This is a space for intimate and empathetic chat around trauma, big T or little t. We have regular sections to this podcast, so look out for them. And each episode, I'll be joined by a guest who will share their unique perspective. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to Light Conversations on Trauma, and I'm here with Juliet and Ponce Jesse. Hi, Juliet. Hi. Is that a good Jen? That was good. I approve. I definitely approve. Great. All those um, years as a sound engineer paid off then. I can <laughs> definitely reflect. Um, so, Juliet, um, welcome. Thank you for joining me here on the podcast and um, I'd like to ask you to start with what's your vibe okay um I remember thinking about this question actually earlier today Mm. um and I was thinking how would you even describe that but to be honest I think me as a person I'm I can be many different things to be honest um I think generally though I'd say I'm quite I go between two main ones I say I'm quite a high energy person a lot of the time so you probably noticed during, during the whole podcast, I tend to speak quite fast when I'm excited. I can be very like loud and over the top at times. And then there's other times where I'm literally like fast asleep, taking a nap in my own little world, like quiet and thoughtful. So I'm literally, I can be one, one extreme or the other. I don't do halves. I'm not <laughs> going to be in between. I'm either quiet and thoughtful and that kind of stuff oh I'm like absolutely bouncing off the walls so Mm. that's me oh that's cool yeah it speaks to me of like um you know everyone has their their parts of their personality and it's it's quite cool how you can accept those different parts of yourself as yeah it's a very natural thing right it's really really cool Mm. all right well the first section you picked um, was share a shame. I always felt this, but I never feel like I could tell anyone. Share a shame. So thanks for picking this subject. I know that's, you know, the very nature of shame is that um, it's hard to talk about. So, um, what does it mean to you? Um, I think for this one, there's something really important about owning the things that you're not always proud of. Mm. Um, Because I think when you kind of like shy away from it or you hide from it, um, it kind of allows those things or situations, those people, those occurrences, those events to kind of have power over you. And the only way you can kind of like work towards actually owning those things or taking control, getting the support that you need for those things is if you claim it. Um, 
doesn't necessarily be who you are. It doesn't have to make you who you are, but it is part of your story. Um, so it's part of the acceptance, really, of the whole thing um, to kind of like be like, you know what, this is what the situation was. This is who I am now. And I'm trying to work through it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and a lot of the research into shame says that the antidote to shame is, is sharing and empathy, connection. It's true that shame can only um, exist in the darkness, um, the very nature of what it is. I had something interesting today, actually. It's like, does the shame fit the reality? Because okay. some, sh- some shames are based around rejection. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if we feel like we're going to be rejected by the people we love, um, you know, does the, does the shame fit the, the reality of that? Like, have we done something that might put us in the realm of rejection? And I think the main thing about shame is that, that people, like, if people translate that situation, like, I did a bad thing into, mm. like, I'm a bad person. Mm. so so how did um how, how has shame affected you in your life uh, <laughs> <laughs> big question <laughs> big question isn't it but we're here to tackle big things right yeah um yeah. i do think shame has a way of making you hide parts of who you are or like parts of your personality and stuff and i think maybe for me i've only kind of begun to feel a bit more comfortable about I guess the multiple sides of myself and whatnot in the past couple of years I've got a bit older and I've been a little bit more bold to kind of like show those kinds of sides of myself because I think you kind of grow up thinking that those quirks or those things that make you you aren't things to be proud of Mm -hmm. um and it can be little things to like you know nitpicky things your parents say or like it could be bigger things like um about your skin or about the way you look are things that you can't always change so mm-hmm. I think for me anyway all this to say that shame has definitely made me hide parts of who I am not only to close friends but also to myself in certain ways so you can't even really be honest with yourself um because of this shame and hence I was trying to change that um you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's something I picked up on there when you were speaking, like that shame makes us kind of change, and it's it it in a way like it always has it always has a consequence of inauthenticity within ourselves, right? Like we give up our authenticity to assimilate to like social narrative, or you mentioned your skin. I'm sure. I'm sure there's kind of aspects in in the culture that you know people will judge you for your for your skin um, for people that are listening um Juliet is has black skin so yeah um it's it's a really topical subject right now isn't it mm, it is actually I guess especially with um everything that happened during the first surge in America and here yeah um is this something you're engaged with or is it something you're... It's something I have been engaged with, actually, especially because I've seen it affect people that's really close to me. And, it's, and it, did, it was a big part of my life growing up, just about how 
um, different people are treated or how black people are treated as a result of their skin and sometimes even the tone of their skin because for me um I'd be considered relative relatively I'd be considered to some people dark skin so on top of being black I'm also quite dark so then you can get so colorism really affected me growing up and I wasn't always proud of the features that I'm quite proud of now which sounds really weird to say out loud to someone who doesn't look like me because right. <laughs> um, I, I like, um, yeah. <laughs> like, um, a lot of the times it can be hard to get somebody to understand but growing up um I was it was nothing it was never, never something in my home but maybe outside of my home I wasn't always made to feel to be proud of the tone of my skin or mm-hmm. some of my features because I've got quite um I've got like quite big lips and maybe mm-hmm. I don't know my, I think my nose is pretty normal <laughs> I don't know but um, it's things that I got play- I got made fun of a lot, a lot of the time when I was growing up so mm. I don't know there was that that kind of made me think differently about myself from quite a young age right and that gave you a shame about sort of who you are and like being accepted in the in in the environments outside of your house mm. and that's, it's interesting isn't it I mean I I definitely don't look I, I don't look like you and I also can't really relate because I I have white skin so I, I was very privileged in Britain where I grew up so and I also feel like there's not there's not there hasn't been a, a conversation about this within the white community which is a big part of the problem um i sort of resonate only with the fact that i had early childhood trauma and so that was very isolating which yeah. is sort of possibly a similar feeling but not the same but yeah i the idea of normal um like you said with your nose it's like is my nose normal and it's like everyone i think everyone's noses are kind of unique in a way aren't they like we're each, we're each kind of individual but i can also recognize that the cultural narrative has this certain aspect to it you know around dark skin. Love my nose, to be fair. yeah i actually love my nose but then i guess for some people if they don't that's their problem but it's kind of like yeah, i think they made this exactly. my lips though, to be fair okay so you got picked on and yeah it's I'm glad I'm glad one aspect of it that I'm hearing is that you've reclaimed all of the things that you were kind of shamed about you know you're very proud of of those features I think that's such a huge part of you know it's such a great part of um <laughs> you know just growing as a person just reclaiming all of those aspects that maybe you didn't feel safe with or you feel you felt ashamed about before and also realizing that actually it is the culture that is sometimes unfair you know we live in a you know supremacist kind of colonialist maybe um racist society and a lot of the narratives you know not (laughs) a lot of the narratives are are unfair on a lot of people so I think all of these conversations are, are really courageous and, and great to have um, because it just kind of breaks down those like big 
it's big and sort of one one size fits all narratives you know you you're not normal unless you have small lips for example or yeah there's so many of them around so many subjects is it because you mentioned the culture um it's a term that i hear all the time (laughs) (laughs) and when i think of the culture um whether it be the culture that i've grown up in or the one that i'm kind of not moving into but i'm exposed to Mm. there's always going to be good sides and bad sides of what a culture predicts or what a culture states and i think Mm. for the people within that culture it's really important to try as you can be to be open to empathy and open to change Mm -hmm. because empathy for one allows you to kind of see people who are also within your culture who actually do not benefit from all the things within that culture yeah. And being open to change allows you to kind of take their spirits into account and change things so that those people also feel embraced, cared for, and loved in that culture too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that could that is that I've definitely seen change over time with respect to um, colorism, for example, mm-hmm. um, and it, when it comes to like facial features and things like that. Because I know for a fact now people are now buying lip kits to have the lips that I have, so it's fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's and kind I, of gone the opposite <laughs> way now, hasn't it? <laughs> I know, right? Cool. Um, I, think, I think um it's also, you know, other than just that, like I think one thing that I've seen is um or I'm hoping to see is a change in the way that people who don't I who don't identify as straight or even as male or female, it'll be good to see them be embraced by the culture that they belong to as well in a, in a more wholesome way because I think a lot of people mm-hmm. still continue to be seen as outcasts um within the culture and stuff and it shouldn't be like that um people should everyone should have a right to feel loved and embraced and and have those things and have those feelings without feeling ashamed of not having had them yeah yeah I think that's an amazing thing and um I have hope that we're heading that way at least um fingers crossed <laughs> my late my latest article on medium was about communication around trauma and how that it's not always you know the um the best communication is how you're received and how you're understood and then we talk about shame shame is a, re- a fear of rejection so like you said being embraced is the is is what you know anti-shame is all about i guess you know so it's an interesting subject, really, how to preserve dignity, you know, and how to actually listen to someone and how to actually receive someone in what they're saying, because it really depends on their, on their history and how they see themselves, how they identify with themselves and their own culture. Yeah, because we all have our own personal culture and our family culture and then our wider mm-hmm. societal culture and then national culture, just <laughs> out and out and <laughs> interesting so I'm, I'm i'm also interested in how do you identify shame how do you know when you're feeling ashamed oh that's a good question um i think for me um i tend to feel quite afraid mm-hmm. um probably afraid of feeling judged um afraid of sort of like exposing myself in some kind of way because if these things are obviously quite deep-seated the things that I'm feeling ashamed about 
you would feel like you're literally running around naked <laughs> if you yeah. was to like share these kinds of shames and things. So we're quite afraid, we're exposed, and um, also obviously quite isolated. Actually, like if you feel there's something that you're quite ashamed of and you don't want people to know, not sharing that makes you feel like you're alone in experiencing that as well. So yeah, I would say definitely those three for me. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, it's just um. I suppose it's, it's what you're speaking to is kind of like if you have shame and then you sort of start to identify with the shame, then you start to internalize it and and it starts to become this identity for you. Like I'm a bad person um, mm-hmm. in general. And then you start to, you know, I don't know, um, identify with all the bad things that you do and, and not see all the good things that you do as well. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, like I feel shame physically as well. Like I, okay. I always, I always get like a heavy forehead actually. Um, okay. Yeah, it's a really strange feeling. Um, but like you mentioned, like it's like when I'm. I think it's interesting what you said actually about feeling naked because I think you can very much feel emotionally naked and in in the state of vulnerability. Like stepping into that space can can feel very exposing um but i suppose i suppose it's the way that i get through it it's like i know that connection is bred from vulnerable spaces oh my gosh vulnerability like we did talk about this on Welby, um yeah. and i remember writing the story feeling like fraud in many ways because i know i struggle with being vulnerable it's really Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, it's always been quite hard for me just because there's always this kind of fear of, again, like feeling exposed, <laughs> um, yeah. feeling naked. And then there's sort of wondering if whoever I'm being vulnerable with is willing to accept whatever my truth is. Mm-hmm. And then there's just, I don't know, there's this idea that I lose something from giving all of that and mm-hmm. I don't know it's I, I find vulnerability really difficult I know how important it is especially when it comes to trying to make connections with people but I do feel that because I can be quite hesitant to express vulnerability it probably does hold me back at times for being able to connect with people mm. yeah and I think that's a natural state for all of us I suppose we and and what's interesting to me is that like what someone that I've been listening to, Terry Real, who's a, a behavior, like a couples therapist, he says that like the fear of being rejected, like obviously the shame, you know, if you step into that space and someone doesn't meet meet your needs, then what is the consequence of that? And he says, Well, you'll end up feeling hurt. And it's the ability, the ability to sit with the feeling of hurt and understand that people that you're in relationship with are going to hurt you at some point. And it doesn't always have to mean that it's, you know, it's just, it's a part of it. And like, you can assess how, how much the hurt means to you. But I think it's really interesting point, like sitting with pain and sitting yeah. with that. And and that allow I think that allows me to step into more vulnerable places. 
really? I think it's quite interesting actually with that when it comes to romantic relationships especially because mm-hmm. I think growing up I was definitely the girl obsessed with Disney <laughs> kind of like <laughs> thought that <laughs> me and Disney just like the idea of somebody basically stooping up and you live happily ever after and I think it was the basis for all of my future relationships after that so I feel like mm. I grew up thinking that you know once you meet that person that's it and then you will live happily ever after and the idea of pain or hurt never occurred to me growing up so <laughs> having <laughs> like growing up and like being and actually being in different relationships and stuff and you do begin to experience not just hurt, but frustration, maybe even guilt, possibly even jealousy, all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. It makes you think differently about not only relationships, but also yourself. Because then I know for me, it's like I began to question if my reactions to certain things were normal. And then I began to question if the relationship was normal. <laughs> and then it's just kind of like this back and forth between not knowing if I was overreacting or if the relationship was just as bad as I thought it was. And it was a real toss up because I, I think the the basis um, or the template that I had in mind for a relationship was probably, not probably, it was wrong. It was based on fantasy fiction. So I mm. feel like I'm really now at 27 years of age, um, almost 20. You're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing well. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, wait. I want to ask how old you thought I was, but I'm going to move on. Um, I feel like I'm only just kind of like figuring out how things mm. are supposed to be. Okay. Yeah, it's a big it's a big narrative, right? It's like fantasy and fiction. And, and by the way, we don't ever define what happily ever after means and, and how to do that, right? And And I guess for men in this culture, we're taught that, you know, the hero rides in on his steed and he and he slays the dragon and he uh, and he gets the princess <laughs> and then it's happily ever after. We're never actually told how to be married, how to how to navigate um, relationship because it, it's dynamic. You know, it's quite a complex thing that you have to be aware of. It's like, the, what happens after you slay the dragon, and what happens after you're saved? Hmm. Okay. Mm. So I think we're all just walking around like pretending that we know something that no one's <laughs> educated about, right? And it's kind of like the same with sex. It's like no one ever talks about sex really. And it's just like, okay, when the lights go out, it's just going to work, like whatever. <laughs> what does that mean? Like it's, it's true. I think I was listening to um, an Instagram live actually between – I think it was Dr. Amani Zarug and the talking therapist, Nick Nathaniel. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about um, the importance of sex within relationships and the fact that a lot of people go into them, first of all, not even knowing whether or not they are actually sexually compatible, not really talking about how often they have these needs um, or how often they don't have these needs, rather, and never really come to a consensus as to what they expect from each other when it comes to sex. So then when things drop off a cliff, Nobody wants to have the conversation because they're meant to somehow know by the power of telekinesis that, mm-hmm. you know, things aren't working out very well, yeah. um, which is silly because when I feel like when that, for me anyway, I would think in a marriage, once that drops off, then communication will drop off too. Mm-hmm. And it's only going to spell problems in the long term. So Yeah. 
And it's such a big source of shame, isn't it? Like um, talking about sex is, and, and like you mentioned, like sometimes you don't want to have sex and that is quite challenging in the narrative. And then, and like you said, like once the sex, the sex is usually the first thing to drop off when, when safety and trust is in, is in, mm-hmm. is in compromise. It's, you know, naturally like sex will be the, because it, it is the most vulnerable and kind of naked space you can share with someone else. Right. Going back to that. So, yeah, it's, I think it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if we can, I mean, I know that your platform creates conversations around like spaces and stuff like that, like challenging narratives. And mm-hmm. I really see that as a great thing. I think um, it will probably be an idea to maybe do something related to sex one day, actually, just because there is a lot of shame around talking about it. And whether you are choosing to have sex now or you're absent or you want to do whatever you want, whatever you want, it's important that people feel that they have the agency and the choice to be able to make those decisions without feeling mm-hmm. as if they are not living up to some random person's standards of who they should or shouldn't be. Because mm-hmm. um, there can be shame on, there can be shame in so many ways. Like there can be shame for someone who's a bit older, who's a virgin, and there's also shame with being a woman who is more sexually liberated and also chooses to have sex with many different partners. There's yeah. shame on both sides of the fence, really. So it would be good to hopefully create a conversation around creating a safe space for all people to just do whatever they want. Sexual liberation doesn't mean you have to sleep with everyone. Doesn't mean you have to sleep with anyone. It's just. It should just be what it is, but yeah. hopefully we'll come to that in time. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> cool. That's great. Let's, uh, let's move on to the second section. Then you picked Love Through Hardship. Love through hardship. Mm. What does that mean to you? Well, <laughs> um, I think... <laughs> Another one. <laughs> <laughs> We're diving deep today, aren't we? Yeah, um, yeah I do. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it's, it's about persevering with wanting to still care in a particular way whether it be for yourself or for others even when the situation is necessarily favorable that's what I think it means in my head anyway so for example if it was for me knowing that I have a really busy time at work for example and I can either choose to neglect for example the need to eat or I can you know, take a little time out of my day to make sure I'm eating well, sleeping well. Um, and loving myself through that hardship means that I will choose to eat because I care about myself enough to know that I need that sustenance. I guess in um, a familial setting, maybe my sister is getting on my nerves, but I know um, she's going through a really hard time. So actually I won't kick off as soon as she kind of has a go at me. And I can either choose to continue to sort of like agitate her or I could choose to give her space and then I guess in a romantic situation it's you know we're having an argument um 
and I can either choose to give you the silent treatment or I can choose to, once people calm down, find <laughs> some kind of solution to whatever the problem was that caused us to argue in the first place. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, I'm interested, yeah, that this this idea around like not having conversations in in a triggered state or like even just a activated state, you know, is really a kind thing to do. You know, like, I think when when people talk about fights, it's like somehow it's accepted that couples fight in a way. Mm. But if you take the space, as long as you, like they say that as long as you come back within 24 hours, you know, you you are dedicated to to having that conversation. Mm. Then it it's much better to have it when you're, you're calm. And you, like what you said earlier, I think is that struck me about um, understanding where the, where it comes from. Like, is it my, is it my idea about the, about how relationships should be? Is it my expectation of you? Am I painting a picture of you that's not true? Because mm. we all do that. And, or is it, is it the flip side of that? Are you doing that to me? Like, is that why I'm angry? Because I think anger comes from, that space where where like boundaries are crossed mm. um, maybe like where misunderstanding occurs too yeah Which i feel it's like kind of natural in because life's like quite chaotic isn't it so it's, it's, <laughs> especially now especially yeah especially now like i mean like we could go there for sure like i mean during covid is everything has changed and even even like basic safety if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, like the first one is physio- physiological, so that's food. The second one is security. So that's a really fundamental need that's been compromised for a lot. Well, everyone, basically everyone. So, yeah, it's a very challenging space to find self-love. And it can be, even. Um, I think from one thing, because I'm not in a relationship now, but I know from my friends who are in relationships um it's not that you necessarily have okay maybe for some people they have issues issues with their partners that's their business but for some people it's a thing where you might be feeling worried about your personal situation and not feeling safe in that space but then that spills over into your relationship so you're speaking from a place of probable frustration about one thing but this person could do one thing that ticks you off and you sort of displace all your frustration in one place and just sort of offload it onto your partner, mm-hmm. um, which could obviously not only cross the boundary, but also kind of makes the idea where some misunderstandings can come from a bit more real. And I'm guessing for a lot of couples, that was probably their reality during lockdown. It's not easy living with someone, working with someone, and having to manage everything within the same space 24-7. None of us have the access to anyone most of the time apart from ourselves. And a lot of us aren't even comfortable sitting with ourselves 24-7. So the idea of doing it with a whole other human being who doesn't know what we think and do mm-hmm. is obviously quite challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that's an environment thing too, right? It's like we, we're so used to having environments for work, environments for socializing environments for relationship um and we we kind of find all the grooves in there like and and the neuroscience backs that up to like 
what neurons that fire together wire together, right? So it, it's just when we've had to <laughs> make that one environment like um, everything. everything. So, and of course, of course, it's going to feel. I think I think that's something that everyone can take a bit of heart from is probably doing very well with that situation because it's really hard like change is challenging and and the level of change in this time has been great so it's been monumental um i think the things that I things that things that she changed the government every day. So imagine sure. our own personal lives yeah. um, when nothing feels particularly stable. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people are still trying to kind of like keep on top of things and do their best to keep up. And I have to say, like I hold a candle to every single one of them because it isn't easy. But yet people are still doing the best they can. Um, so it's definitely like we're all doing I feel like we're all trying our best so I feel like we're all doing great you know like, yeah I that's great that's a really loving thing and really kind thing as well so it's um I think the number one thing in this time the number one necessity is self-love and it's it's causing that you know naturally because like you said the stability of this time is pretty low and so mm-hmm. the only constant that you have is your own history, your own identity, your own feelings about things. And obviously they're going to change over time, but it's really, it's re- I, my own personal opinion is really calling me to, to have faith in myself um, and the people that I share my life with. Can I ask you a question? Sure. What does loving through hardship mean to you? Thanks. <laughs> Turned it around. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think there's a there's a sort of fine balance here. Like um, hardship can be really connecting, can be really, really connecting. And my own experience of hardship has been quite great, actually. I've experienced childhood trauma. Um which disconnected me from my family and it made my style of relating it it defined the way that I saw relationship so I've only just recently kind of built a healthy model so but one thing I would say throughout all my life is that I did have an aspect of self-love and love through that hardship I always had a trust in life and I always trusted myself to and I think there are many people that surrounded me in my life that actually didn't understand what I was going through mm-hmm. and loved me anyway. And that's a, be- that's a beautiful gift. It's a really stunning gift to have, actually, um, to not fully understand some, someone's experience or why they're acting the way they're acting and, and to love them anyway and to stay, uh, stick around and, and help. Yeah, it's it's a it's a challenging area because sometimes that can be unhealthy. So there's a lot of paradoxes here, you know. Like it's not one size fits all, and it depends again on on how someone feels about it. But I think if if you manage to stay open and vulnerable and and really 
go through an experience with a loved one, especially in a, a relationship, like an intimate setting, it can be incredible. It can make incredible connection bond, a bond that can last a lifetime. You know, I, I truly believe that experience bonds like people together. And it's not just the thoughts that we have about someone else. It's actually lived experience. It's shared vibration, shared um, shared memory. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> Thank so I think like, um, having or knowing that someone has your back regardless of whatever it is you've been through, not even having to understand it, but saying, you know what, I've, I've got you anyway, I see you, I hear you, mm. and I still love you. Having mm. that is absolutely priceless. Mm. Absolutely. Those three, those three phrases, I see you, I hear you, and I love you. I mean, they're just what we're all looking for, mm. really. And it's essential, and, and it never leaves us, you know. It never leaves us. Any age you are, you always, always need those things. You know, that's part of human experience that you can't get rid of. You know, if you want to live a healthy, vibrant life, you need, you need people. Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. That's why I always find it weird when people kind of, or when some people say they don't need friends. I'm just like, mm. oh, we all need somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can't. It's. I don't think. I think intrinsically within us as human beings if we don't have connection with others I do think it really hinders our our physical and mental well-being so the idea that you know you can just do away with mandatory connection you're lying it's not true (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's some form of um disconnection with yourself there right you're lying to yourself really it's uh and I, I always honor that phrase, like, oh, I don't need anyone. I don't need friends because it comes from a place of fear, you know, like it must be part of someone's story. And I've been there and I still in, inhabit that space often. It's my core. It's my core kind of wound, the abandonment wound um, in a way. So it, you know how subtle the ego can get. It's like a tricky thing. It kind of comes through in every situation in different aspects. So it's it's a challenge and i think i think on some level we're all making that decision like is this person safe Mm. and and that can be really useful i think i have quite a heightened i'm a hypersensitive person anyway um so i have heightened sense of feeling and i used to it used to be a real challenge for me but now i really honor it and embrace it it's actually a really good skill to have because not everyone is not everyone is your partner because there's yeah. right there's like eight nearly eight billion of us now we're not all partners <laughs> to each other like <laughs> it can be good to to set boundaries it can yeah. be good i think it's respectful actually to set boundaries i can imagine that being someone who is quite or can be quite hypersensitive might actually play out pretty pretty well even with being a sound engineer. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like um the detail, fine detail. It's it's probably why I became a sound engineer in the first place. Like 
I used to mix live concerts. So yeah, just being oh. able to hear. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I've never done anything that cool before. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was good. Yeah. Does Spotify shuffle count? Because, you know, I've been playing some meme playlists on my own in the house. So. <laughs> Right. It's not quite DJing at live, con- live concerts, but you know. No, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was interesting. I think um, I think everyone that is drawn to the live music industry has their own like story of kind of big hardship and drive and 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 then consequently, like those people that like some of the biggest lovers I've ever met. You know, they have so much love for strangers like complete strangers I know some of my best friends in the live music industry they'll just love people without needing to know who they are you know do you think it's because music connects people not even just with the words alone which obviously can be a big thing but even just being able to kind of bring that joy to someone even if you aren't necessarily feeling great when you turn up to a particular venue on the day, just knowing that people will gather so much joy from what you do makes it all worth it. Yeah. And also the message too, like I've met so many people from so many different walks of life, you know, when I, I used to live in London for seven years and um, I worked in all the clubs there. So I worked with like punk, like punks and I worked, but I also worked with like grime artists and like, hip-hop artists and soul artists, reggae artists, you know, I suppose the you, the expression of a person comes through in the music and that comes mm-hmm. from their voice, you know, and again, it goes back to like who they are, what their story is. So yeah, it's a very eye-opening, expanding experience to be a part of, but it's very hard. <laughs> so it kind of fits this, it fits this topic it's finding the love through hardship is very much part of it for sure yeah so. I have so much to learn about this particular area because I think it requires again a need uh, sort of like a willingness to be vulnerable to be able to do those things even when Mm. in your head you're like I don't have time I don't have the patience I don't care and just being like oh yeah I'm tired is my favorite phrase so the idea of actually hungry is also a big one for me but having to turn that all off and being like no I know within me I need this thing Mm -hmm. and even though it's hard right now just Mm -hmm. I need to like I need this relationship I need this whatever it's important to choose to show love anyway and um, when you can even if it's hard because I think when you talk about hardship but I think for me anyway it's normally a talking from it's normally a place of conflict um and getting through conflict actually just shows how strong the relationship or the friendship or the relationship with yourself is if you're able to kind of get through that or get past it and move beyond it um, yeah. Because when you choose to do anything else other than make those choices towards love, you 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 don't you don't get through the conflict. You stay in the same place, um, and you continue to sort of like be in this place where you are doubting, you are dismissive, 
you are possibly even rude and offensive. And if you cared about, if you truly wanted to care for someone or show support for someone or show support for yourself rather, you would eventually swallow your pride and get through it, you know? Mm. Um, all about choices. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Yeah, willingness to, to love and embrace and surrender really to the surrender to the trust of of a relationship it's uh it's a difficult spot sometimes um not always possible but that's why i said i'm working on it <laughs> <laughs> like it yeah. great stuff all right let's move on to the last section you picked what's my inner voice saying oh that's a full body yes oh, that reminds me of something i like that what'd you do that for oh they're gonna hate me be loving what are they gonna think oh, i feel so mm, that's tasty be kind i like the smell of that don't be so cold use that language here why did you do that i am love hey what's your inner voice saying right what does that mean to you oh um well i think for me um I've always been someone who's been quite driven, especially towards a particular purpose anyway. Like for me, every, everything I try to do normally is with intention. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, talking about your inner voice for me is about trusting that inner voice really and trusting that, whatever that inner voice is saying has a purpose and a reason. And sometimes obviously like you fall short of whatever your inner voice is trying to tell you to do, or sometimes you disregard it because you don't always trust it. I know I've definitely done that several times before. Um, But I think now in the space that I'm in, I'm trying to not disregard my inner voice, trying to continue to move in the purpose I think I'm supposed to be going into. I think really at this point, I think it's more than I know. Um, and <laughs> and also kind of like not ignoring those kind of like gut feelings, you know, because I think a lot of the time they do sort of guide us to the place we're supposed to be. And it's like a natural alarm system, really. Like if you feel like something in your gut feels wrong or un- excruciatingly uncomfortable, it's there for a reason. And mm. so to ignore it and to disregard that inner voice and to disregard that inner gut feeling is only really doing a disservice to yourself. And I don't want to keep on doing a disservice to myself. Yeah, that's yeah, that's so that's so vital. It's such a nice way to put it. So thanks for saying that. It's yeah, that's part of the inner voice. It's part of the inner voice. It's like um all of the research I do into embodiment and the kind of we have a lot of neurons in our gut, in our heart as well. And it's all part of a distributed network, right? <laughs> the brain is actually not just in our skull. It's, it's a distributed network that's um, interrelating. So that's really cool to, to notice. They are, they are signals. They are there for a reason. And um, I, think it's, I think as humans, we still haven't really figured out all the processes that really occur within our brains or mm-hmm. speaking to our brains but also within our minds in general like with a lot of it a lot of the research um is still ongoing there's a lot of things that we don't know 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important to acknowledge what we can, especially when it's clear there's something not right here. Like why ignore it if it seems so intrinsically, you know, wrong to be <laughs> doing certain things. Yeah, totally. Intrinsically, that word stuck out for sure. Yeah, because um, if something is just ca- continuing as well, I think, I think surrendering to the process is great. Like, I'm really happy to hear that you have such a purpose because aligning aligning to feelings is kind of chaotic sometimes, but al- aligning to values and purpose is really really important, right? So, yeah, it's a little bit of both, maybe, to um, honour the honour the sensations, but to have like a big vision of purpose and who you are and what you're what you're here to achieve. It's it's really interesting what you said about mystery in a way. You know, we don't we don't know, and um, there are many things we don't know, and I'm interested in that. Um, I think actually what you said about um, you know when it comes to feelings and sort of like following those I think feelings it's really important to remember that feelings are born most of the time well in in the moment they are of a moment Um, and sometimes following your feelings and your feelings alone can be potentially problematic just because your feelings can be quite fleeting at at the best of times so the idea that you would chase what is essentially almost a high um just for the sake of it or just because you know your feeling dictates this so I'm moving in this way can be quite troubling so I think it's quite important to sort of try and align even within yourself what your feelings are telling you based on what you kind of know it's not always possible to do in real life sometimes you're just going to go off of how you feel that's fine we're all human we all make mistakes I think we're supposed to make mistakes to learn from them for a reason that's brilliant when it it comes to um, the idea of aligning your feelings with what you know to be true and what the facts are when you do that I think it allows you to sort of move towards following that inner voice really because I think your inner voice, so to speak, or what your inner conscience is or whatever, um, really actually guides you based on everything that you know and believe. Whereas if you're just going off your feelings, you're going off something situational, mm. um, which isn't very always, isn't always very useful. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for that. That's, um, that's really profound. <laughs> I think most most of the time that I'm struggling, I always think to myself, okay, zoom out, you know, zoom out and 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 like get get some more awareness and 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 expand the awareness because the more you zoom out, the more you realize that actually everything is working as it's as it should work, really, you know, there there are things that you you can't understand in a moment, and you might think five years later you. You always look back five years and go, oh, I recognize. Okay, I, I understand now why I had to do that thing that felt really crappy at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me here and then I did this and then that took me here and, and now I'm doing what I love. So, yeah. So I'm interested in your experience of your inner voices. Like, 
<laughs> like, what do you do for yourself with that? Um, what do you mean? Well, um, I think it sounds like you have a, a, a good approach with it. Um, ah. So okay. what are the kind of things that you tell yourself? Like, because one thing about we mentioned earlier of the shame is like inner voices are, ge are generally shamed. Yeah. Um, it, a lot of people think that it's sort of psychotic and crazy, but actually it's very normal to have inner voices. And I think I'm just interested in what the kind of things, uh, what kind of processes you have with that. Going just to, for, for here was listening and stuff, just know it took a while to get here. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, I've sure. kind of been working on this for a long time. Yeah, um, and I think it's, yeah, it takes a lot of work. And I think I'm still figuring things out. I don't have all the answers, but I know for me, mm -hmm. Um, it's a couple of years ago actually I'm a Christian so mm -hmm. I remember one year on the sort of like it was at a new year service and I remember praying asking God to basically just move in my life and to just allow and just allow me to change because I was sick of whatever was happening before and there was a conviction there that I had and I think for me God definitely saw that and it made me think you know what if God is willing to see this and I'm finally kind of saying this is what I want it's time that I started moving in this for myself because I've heard all my life God helps those who help themselves so if I'm not willing to make that change happen then why would God want to make those things happen for me mm. so I think for me um the reason why I began to actually tune into my inner voice rather than tune out of it was because I knew the way that the way I thought about myself which was quite um I feel, I feel like I was probably quite disrespectful of myself, quite dismissive of how I felt and some of the things that I believed about myself. And I wasn't always very kind to myself. I was tired of all of that shit. So I said, you know what? <laughs> I can't do and I can't continue to live in this way because mm. it's not serving me. It's not doing me any good. It wasn't boosting anything for me. It was just making me feel shitty about myself. So I thought, you know what? this year I want change um I don't want things to be the same and that conviction made me start seeing what I what I needed in a in a more clear way it was an acceptance of realizing this is not it <laughs> this is not what mm. I want and I want to move on and then it was okay now that I've accepted this where do I go from here and every ever since then probably a couple of years ago now I, I just started to see opportunities that allowed me to either grow in this space of being able to listen clearly to my inner voice and to also listen to God, um, but also ways to be able to help other people kind of do the same thing. So with Bobby, um, even as I'm studying, I'm, I'm studying to become a doctor. Hopefully I graduate next year, please God. Um, and sort of choosing to make those decisions to move with conviction. Mm definitely changed my life so I feel like with my own inner voice I've kind of thought about it in a way that there's something I've set out to do and I can't allow myself to get distracted whether it be by degrading myself or being dismissed or like all that stuff is distraction I don't have time for that so I need to move with intention and purpose and conviction now um so I'm quite headstrong <laughs> yeah it sounds like it. it's great <laughs> 
um, which can also sometimes go to our detriment because sometimes I, I'm so focused on one thing that I don't see everything else. But, you know, we're figuring out the balance slowly. Yeah, um, right. And also allowing yourself to relax sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, the relaxing bit I'm also working on. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> definitely getting there. No, it's great to hear, though. Like, I think it's really important to align with conviction. And also, like you mentioned, God, and it's, I think it's actually really important and healthy part of being a human is to, to know that you're part of something bigger. Like, however you see God, it's really important to believe and have faith in something. Like, it's not, well, that's my opinion. I, I recognize that, like, some people won't agree with that. Um, yeah. But still, it, it, gives you, it gives you something. To, and you and it allows you to grow into like you said it allows you to change and to grow in and to, to stretch yourself into something beyond your current self mm, i think believing and have and developing a relationship with god for me is what has actually made me more in tune with being a more compassionate person to be honest and that belief in something bigger than myself helps me to remember that everything is about collective it's about everyone kind of working towards a similar thing or a goal so we can all thrive and we can all begin to sort of like live out a particular way which I can understand especially during certain times it's quite like okay you're living in utopia that doesn't exist but it's kind of like you know you find places and spaces and pockets where you do find people who are on the same kind of mission that you're on. So it's always quite encouraging. And you know, even if you don't believe in God, like believing in yourself is a good place to start. Um, if you don't believe in anything, believing in yourself at the very least means that you have, or you would have a sort of like sense of conviction about, you know, what you're doing here, what you're here to do. And if that's to be a mother, a father, to be an engineer, to be a chef, to be whatever, Believing in yourself to do that is enough. Yeah. yeah, that's so important. Lovely. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, can you think of anything else to cover in, or anything else you want to say in this subject? Um, you know what, actually, I remember I was talking to Joe about this earlier today because we were thinking about um, the different sorts of, like, domains or places in someone's life that sort of contribute to somebody's overall well-being um I don't remember all of them but I was talking it over with um with someone before and she mentioned emotional mental physical financial and spiritual well-being and I was thinking like apart from like talking about your relationship with God actually how would you expand on what spiritual well-being actually is Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's huge, huge subject. Thousands of years of human knowledge. Um, <laughs> condense it. Okay, what I would say to that is just that sense of a conviction, I think, for me, is aligning to the, the sensations and, like, identity and long-term purpose. You know, it's, I think the spiritual path for me is... Experiencing the challenges that disconnect you from yourself 
always navigating them in compassion and love, kindness and forgiveness and, and gratitude and all, all the great stuff. <laughs> and then returning to yourself, always having that commitment to return to yourself. And then I think the, the kind of religious and spiritual practices are all based around that. Um, so that's why I see the journey as being and I think like you said it's important to make mistakes it's important to go through hardship really the idea about this podcast is to to normalize and destigmatize hardship and trauma because it is the journey of life in, in many ways like there isn't a wise person on this planet that hasn't gone through um, hardship like to a great extent. And also one other thing is that certain, like I listened to something earlier that said that, that you know, the only people that are certain are the people that don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right for that. So yeah, that's quite funny, but it's also very true. So I, I had a big moment today where I was shaming myself about uncertainty. Like, oh, I'm still not certain about what I'm doing and, and then I listened to this thing, which is really useful. It's like, actually, yeah, uncertainty. Uncertainty is a natural aspect of life. It's a very spiritual thing to go through. Yeah. And um, it's kind of the domain of people that have done a lot of inner work and a lot of spiritual work. And I think I'm trying to embrace it. This is what I'm trying to say. It's a process, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think one thing, because I, whenever I thought about spiritual well-being, mm -hmm. I know I always kind of default to, oh, it's just talking about God and like your relationship with God. And I think that is a big part of it. But then I also am starting to wonder, even like just now with what you're saying, that it's because you mentioned things like gratitude. And I was thinking, oh, like, is a big part of, your spiritual well-being about connecting with others because then it's not connecting with others is obviously you can talk about in other like sorts of domains of well-being but you know when you for example like walk into a room and you don't know anyone in the room but there's certain people that you just connect with for no reason in particular yeah. and you can talk with them and you can laugh with them and you can joke with them like you've known them for years and yeah. that's not to say that you know I mean no it is and I feel like there's something in that like there's something in just feeling or knowing or just being able to know that this is someone I can connect with and even if it's just for a short time you might never speak to them again but it's in that moment like kindred spirits you know like you just yeah. like see you I hear you I don't love you like that but in some way I love you still <laughs> kind of thing yeah right um, and it's nice right. to be able to have that right yeah it's well it's definitely part of my belief set I think there are some people that just feel safe and I think like I'm I I practice Reiki as well I'm a Reiki master so I think energetically for me that's it's it's a part of it it feels energetic as well like you know kindred spirits you walk into a room and you, you kind of feel the people that are aligned and um, that's that's part of my belief set just through the experience of um, music too is like you meet hundreds of people a day 
on the festival sites mm-hmm. and you meet so many people that you only see like a couple of times actually in physical in the physical form but you you forge these like incredible friendships um instantly so i think it for me i believe in that i think there's there's a spiritual aspect in, and maybe even go so far as to say there's like a, a vibe tribe <laughs> that's the word that I use, which is fun um but yeah I, I choose to believe in that and i think it's real i, think I was going to ask you actually what, hmm. what 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 is reiki is it how you pronounce it yeah reiki um it's a meditation technique it's a, a japanese it comes from japanese buddhism but it's also quite missed um like a mysticism based um practice so it it relies on the idea of universal energy like um the energy that makes up the universe like taoism basically so the tao in taoism is is the name for the fundamental energy that that um the the universe is born from basically and so reiki is like working with that energy and it's a healing practice i see so i treat people um now when you mentioned the vibes thing i was like i guess sometimes when people like oh no they're just bad vibes it's a thing they're probably just bad vibes (laughs) yeah right and also everyone has like a state of being right like they have a certain emotional process you want to take it right down to like the thoughts that they think and the things that they say and and the emotions that they have you know we all have our own conditions from our childhood and our triggers and our states so some people just aren't compatible in that moment of time you know they might make you feel shit and that's just that is just the way it is it's bad vibes <laughs> right and and I guess you could say like with intimate relationships, you know, sometimes, you know, a lot of the time your intimate partners are the people that trigger you because that's the sacred union kind of journey in a way. Um, but, you know, within reason, again, you need a balance. Mm. That's the word of the day today, isn't it? Balance. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Okay. Well, all right. So usually to end with we have a, a section called 315 which mm-hmm. is um you can bring in anything anything you like really to this section you can expand on anything or oh we i feel like talking about vulnerability mm-hmm. would be challenging <laughs> so i think i should do it <laughs> <laughs> great I like your mindset. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how would you like to do that? Like, would you like to share something you're vulnerable about? Would you like to talk about vulnerability in general? Or what do you feel comfortable with? I don't know unless I say it right. Um, it's so weird. <clears throat> I think one thing that I probably feel very, very strange even talking about is probably like with relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't know if you picked up from this, but I'm probably quite a little bit perfectionist. <laughs> and um, I do think at times mm. I can be very scared of not finding the like, perfect quote-unquote person for me, knowing, of course, they're not going to be perfect, but then, you know, the person who you would fit with, per se, or the person that you would sort of, like, continue the journey of life with and stuff. Like, I always kind of, like, think about it sometimes. I'm just like, oh, like, when, if, will I? I don't know. Um, and I feel sick to my stomach having said that out loud actually <laughs> but, um, <laughs> oh it's you, you're welcome do you do you believe in the one the like like one um, person's out there for you or is it mainly I don't think so anymore actually okay um just because I think for some people they found their person but then if that person but then people change, people grow, and it doesn't stop that person not being that person from before. It just means that something changed. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any of you bad or wrong for it, but you're no longer suitable for each other. So then they're in, you know, they're no longer the one. Sure. Um, so I don't think I subscribe to that particular belief anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. So <clears throat> So what's the so the perfectionism, what, a, the vulnerability? Where does that come from? Like your oh, this is awful. This is a bad idea. Um, <laughs> I think um, probably oh, this is well. Um, I think for me, it was probably um, probably like the way I grew up. I think with my family and stuff, we've always been okay definitely with me and you my mum was always quite um set on trying to make sure that I always sort of like got top marks or Mm -hmm. was the top of the class or was always kind of like striving to do my best and stuff and my best had to be basically perfect most of the time Mm -hmm. and I think I carried that with me and I still carry that with me till now so that's a deep imprint there isn't it mm -hmm. So I feel like falling short of, and I feel like I generalise that to a lot of areas of my life, to be honest. So mm-hmm. um, for me, um, I feel like things should be in a particular way. And when they're not in that way, then it's not, it, it can't be right. There's no way. But then mm-hmm. that's not how life is. That's not real life, you know? Like nothing's going to be set in the exact way that you want it to be in. Absolutely. But knowing that and living that are two different things oh yeah for sure absolutely and that you know that's part of the process isn't it i just suppose like relate relationship is the best place to learn that i mean you know any any sort of fixed ideas of how things should be will probably be challenged at some point I still can't believe I'm saying this, <laughs> but you know what? I think it's actually quite necessary because saying it out loud makes you realise how it sounds. Well, thanks for leaning in. I, I recognise your courage in this moment. So, yeah, that's good. But yeah, so that's the good thing you just said. It's like you recognise that there's a there's a drive for you to share this just to hear how it sounds. And like you said, part of the journey for all of us is to say things out loud and realise it. Hey, 
actually, I don't resonate with that. That sounds silly. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds silly. I don't agree with it anymore. You know, that was that was an old thing. That that was a condition. And that's all we're doing, I think, trying to uncover conditions of how we how we were raised and. It's also a, like, for me, I feel like complete responsibility for the things that I interpreted. Like as a child, you interpret things in a completely different way mm-hmm. and they can stay with you. And it might not actually be how it was. It was just the way that you saw it in that yeah. really, really scared, vulnerable state. I, looking back, um, I've spoken to Emma about it since and she didn't realize that she was putting pressure on me at the time what she what she saw it as was she was just trying to set me up so that in future I'd be someone who wouldn't be afraid of obviously working hard but I wouldn't have to um go through some of the things that she went through that's what she was working off of when she was trying to encourage me but the way I interpreted it was different because obviously as a child I I can't see what my mum is thinking Mm -hmm. um and I do, and I think actually there has been, like, it's been a good thing that mum taught me what it meant to work hard and what it meant to aim high and to strive towards those things. But then at the same time, it's important for me to unlearn that things need to always be perfect before you can embark upon them or before you can take things forward because mm. nothing is going to fit a cookie-cutter setting all the time. Um, and sometimes you have to just move with it anyway because mm-hmm. that's what, you want or that's what you want to continue to pursue regardless of how perfect it, or imperfect rather it looks or feels at the time yeah interesting I mean I do a lot of work with creativity too and you know I think creativity is an essential part like you mentioned before you start anything you know it doesn't have to be perfect and the idea one of the main things that stops people being creative or even innovative in their jobs is um, perfectionism, like having to feel like what the thing that they create is going to be perfect, um, the perfect version or, you know, needing to be like the most educated person before you, you embark on something. Um, so, yeah, it's a big, it's a big big area there big area and it's it's very common and let's face it you know we live we live in a culture that really really celebrates that it's like it's in everything and i suppose yeah i suppose there are so many parents that's that say that to their kids like oh you've got to work hard you've got to achieve otherwise you're not going to be anything you know they worry that you're not going to achieve anything. And a lot of the value that's placed on, on an individual is, is based on their like certificates and achievements and things like that. Um, there's another, there's a whole, that's quite a narrow aspect of wealth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I like what you said about unlearning. That's a good, that's a good frame because it is. Very important to unlearn and learn other things. Yeah, like replace old 
all the old and the faulty and broken with the new and somewhat shiny. Sometimes it's not even that new. It's something you probably always sort of intrinsically knew, but um, hadn't really lived with or continued to move with before. So, it's yeah. cool. Yeah, I think there's <laughs> the best, most profound moments are aha moments, you know, when you uncover something that you already knew and it was like it's it's woven through your life experience but you maybe didn't necessarily give yourself credit for knowing that or doing that or even seeing it in yourself and um i feel like that's one of the, one of the best moments in life even when you were saying um with creatives who only kind of like want to pursue things when they're perfect or wanting to be the most educated before doing something like I definitely resonated with that because I was like oh are you talking about me (laughs) (laughs) do you think everyone would think that (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of like yeah I definitely you can definitely apply to so many different things and I've actually never done that before um thinking Mm. about how that translates to so many different aspects of life and actually when you put it like that it makes it it makes you feel a lot less silly about admitting to that kind of thing yourself. Mm-hmm. So actually, this felt oh, quite good. good to talk about. Oh, well, I'm glad. Oh, well, we came came through it in only 10 minutes, so. <laughs> <laughs> you're good at what you do. Good at what you do, Peter. Great what can work. You say? Great work. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. I mean, these these concepts are so embedded. Are so embedded in the, in the culture and it and it can be it just can be really difficult i think you know without going too political even like there's a majority culture that that sets these sort of narratives mm-hmm. you know and and even being part i mean i'm part of a very small minority because i got jewish heritage and I admit like we assimilated into white culture as a, as a people that brings its own challenges but mm-hmm. um even that that very small um you know challenge to that makes it makes it it just gives you a different um frame of reference and it also you know it, it is good to realize that people from other culture that's that are trying to assimilate with the majority culture it's more pressure. It's more pressure to be like perfect at that majority culture so that you can mm-hmm. transcend the, the, the difficulties and shame that people try to put on you as a, as a, as someone that's like just different, different culture. I get what you mean. It's kind of like trying to achieve your way out of, whatever whatever's kind of like making you different from everybody else so you know as soon as I achieve this then it won't matter that I'm this and it's like Mm -hmm. no (laughs) that's that shouldn't be a thing no because it's about embracing you as your unique and wonderful self right Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. and also you know if we're going to talk about achievement like that's you know it's got this like if you think about all of our fame culture you know like hollywood and pop stars and it's all like super achievement it's like you have to be 
the best of the best. You have to go. You have to be better than human. You know. <laughs> but it's a it's a hard thing to live up to. I think it's a lot. Of, it's a ridiculous amount of pressure to, mm. you know, have to be that elite all the time. I I can't even imagine the pressure that um, major athletes feel. For example, like Usain Bolt, Alison Felix, mm-hmm. um, Michael Phelps before I think he retired, Serena Williams, like these people who have made astonishing achievements who feel that pressure to have to perform to those same those same standards, if not higher, all the time. Mm-hmm. That's exhausting. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm tired now. <laughs> <laughs> you need a nap. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. I feel like it is. The amount of dedication you need to be that that brilliant at something. It has mm-hmm. to be an obsession in a way. But then I guess your drive and your purpose will give you the extra boost that you need. So even if you are tired... Or even if you are frustrated or whatever, it's. I would think it would be that inner drive, that inner purpose, and knowing that you're doing this for a greater reason than yourself is what makes you go just that little bit harder for a bit longer. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it's um, definitely in terms of music that the musicians that have been successful for the longest and 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 the best quality have all have all had that you know drive, purpose, faith belief you know connect like belief in connection to others you know that's why they sing and I suppose that can translate to other things as well Mm -hmm. well just want to thank you for being here Juliet like it's been such a a deep and wonderful conversation so (laughs) thank you for your presence thank you for having me lovely so um, if anyone wants to find you, I know we've mentioned your Wellbe. Where can they find Wellbe? Oh, so we are on Instagram at the moment at Wellbe underscore UK, um, and I also talk random shit on Twitter every once in a while at the Tuesday Child. <laughs> um, Tuesday yeah, Child. Nice. At the Tuesday Child. Um, my Ghanaian name is Abna, and that means a girl born on Tuesday. So that's, oh, that's cool. <laughs> but yeah um for anything related to improving your mental well-being and sort of like empowering or, or finding the tools to help empower yourself to take care of your mental well-being everything we po- we're posting is on well-being at the moment yeah i can definitely vouch for that incredible resource it's absolutely <laughs> thank you thank you for your drive and your purpose um, in this area i think it's really needed thank you okay well thanks right. for your time and the Great stuff. Take care. I want to thank Julia again for coming in today. It's been such an incredible experience to share. I also want to thank you for your time, presence, and love and attention. Those are some of the greatest resources on the planet. And I thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can find me, Peter Middleton, on patreon.com. We also have a Facebook community called We Are The Light People, where we continue these kinds of conversations in a courageous and vulnerable and empathetic and kind way. 
So until next time, take care. And I'll see you again soon.